Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I've done one of these. Um, I am the host of this thing, sort of. Uh, my name is Angelo. It's been a while since I've done one of these. I walked away a while back for personal reasons, but I'm back to do these again. And as always, I'm here with the Swedish superstar himself, Mr. Let me try this. It's been a while since I've said his name fully. Don Herning? Very good. All right. I remembered. <laughs> Hi, Angelo. This is great. It's been three years and two months since we did the last episode together. April of 2017. Oh, the days gone by. Wow. Good to talk to you. Good to talk to you. It really doesn't seem like it's been that long, but that's what it says. So uh, some stuff has happened. How have you been? I have been good. Um, I have... When I originally left, I left because of work issues. Um, I had been unemployed for a bit, and then I had picked up a job. Well, at the place that I did get employed, I ended up moving all the way up to about the top of the ranks where I'm at. So my schedule is now kind of open to me however I want it to be. So I'm back to where I can do these, although the COVID thing's beginning to throw a monkey wrench in that, but we'll see. Um, <laughs> COVID-19 yeah. COVID is directly responsible for me being able to do this, as I've been since March uh, pretty much by choice. 
I've uh, been doing a lot of work in the current studio, so trying in pods one. Uh, you poor man. Well, when I can meet people again, uh, some some things will I have to give, but astronomy is one of my main interests. Uh, so I hope we can do this every once in a while. Yeah, I'm thinking the current plan would be like once a month. Yeah. We'll get so together, amazing. we'll throw something together, an episode or two, and, you know, bank what we can, because, uh, you know, in a professional corporate field here in America, sometimes things do get thrown into the loop. I'd like to at least guarantee that I can do two years at once a month. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And, and by that point, we should have a better feeling for where we're at with everything. Um, it is good to speak with you again. Um, it has been too long. The only really speech we've had has been via Facebook, so I, I almost forgot what your voice sounded like. Uh, let's not make any promises to the listeners, but we'll, we'll try to make more episodes. Uh, I've been working as a professional podcaster back in April of 2017. I wasn't making very much. I was using, uh, like, uh, the the starting money was running out quickly and everything looked terrible. But today it's, uh, I've run one of the biggest Swedish podcasts there are, my serial murder podcast, super big, 100,000 listeners. Wow. There is also, yeah. But I, I've also managed to revive and find a very good co-host for my other English fan of history. So we're actually coming out every other week right now. That's really good. Oh, and we are going to do episode 100 very soon. Oh, wow. I don't even know what the episode number of this is. Is it like 13 or something like that? <laughs> I did uh, two episodes without you, so this is four yeah, fourteen. Okay, well, that, I guess it's not that bad, then. Um, I also managed we, to uh, get divorced uh, right after we did our last episode. My oh, wife wow. was like, oh, if you're not doing fan astronomy, then I don't want you anymore. And she well, me I mean, I can understand that, I guess. <laughs> there, there were some other events as well, but, uh, <laughs> but it, it's working out. Uh, well, that, I'm very glad to hear that things are working out. I'm sorry to hear about the uh, the divorce, but... Hey, that's life, right? Yeah, it's two years ago, so I, I got over it. <laughs> <laughs> I would hope so. Uh, but let's not bore people with the uh, personal stuff for too long. Uh, I do have a quick thing that we need to talk about our Patreon. We still have a couple Patreon people. We do. Um, we, there's like two people still signed up for it, and I made a post a while back, hey, please cancel this because I have some other things going on, and it goes directly to my bank account. I don't want to be getting money if you did stuff that I wasn't aware of, so on and so forth. Um, So what I'm going to do is I'm going to be setting up a new Patreon. So if you are a part of our Patreon, please get rid of it. Just disappear from it, and then what I'll do is I'm going to reset up a new one, and we'll give you all the information on that in a future episode, probably the next episode. That way... Moving forward, there's a solid base for everybody to know exactly where to go as far as Patreon goes. Um, I don't want anybody throwing money at something that, because uh, <laughs> essentially what it comes down to is the money's going to come to me, and then I have to split it with him. But where it's going now, I there's no real solid way for me to know how that money got in there. So I don't know if it's coming from a patron or not, and I don't want to. I don't want you know, the superstar here to to get uh, robbed of a few bucks. <laughs> <laughs> Remember to set it up to be per, per month, so then, then it becomes this mutual contract. Yep, so that'll be, like I said, we'll get the details to you on the next episode. But today's episode, we're going to speak about the last of the gas giants in our solar system. Yeah. The, this is the planet that has caught 
our imagination more than any other planet in the solar system, in the galaxy, anything, because, I mean, the Assyrians looked up at it and they saw the rings. It's the last one the naked eye can see. It's just this beautiful thing out there, and we're going to talk about Saturn. Uh, they did, uh, they have discovered now that you can actually see the seventh planet. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. From, from Earth, if you have sharp eyes and you have the right night sky, but nobody ever did before it was discovered. So Saturn is the last one. People actually did see. Right. I mean, it's they call it the the old man back in Assyria. Oh. Because they, they had seen it that far back. It's just nobody really knew what planets were, so on and so forth. And now we're at this point where they really do know. But, boy, I lost my group of thought there. Um, so they, they really did know... They didn't exactly know what planets were, but they knew that this was one of the movers up there. And that's – they considered the movers something different than the stars. They just didn't know that they was planets. I'm glad I was able to regather all those thoughts. And they called that one the old man because obviously it's the furthest one away. So to our eyes, it looks like it's moving against the night sky the slowest. Ooh, makes sense. It takes 30 years to go – one lap around the sun for Saturn? Yeah, around about, just about 30 years. It's like, that. I think technically it's 29.4. Oh. Yeah, I'm going to get technical. Um, Good. It, yeah, the actual name they use for it, I just uh, looked this up, is I'm going to destroy this pronunciation, but it means oldest of the old. It's Luba de Sugash. Of course. I think the Babylonians yeah. have a, have the pretty good grasp of astronomy. They definitely knew about Saturn. Yes, the Babylonians knew. So did uh, Far Eastern observers. You know, the Chinese basically. 
So, or, well, I guess it wouldn't necessarily have been the Chinese, but in that region. No. Uh, so, the reason it's called Saturn, it's named after the Greek god Kronos, which in Roman is Saturnus. Yes. Did you know that, Dan? I did know that. Uh, the relationship between the Greek and the Roman gods is not super clear. So, the Romans had a god uh, called Saturn, and it, it has a lot to do with uh, Kronos. But it's not exactly Kronos. So it's not, but they have a very similar It's part story. of the Roman assimilation of other religions. It was quite aggressive. It very much was. But the Romans, I mean, what they did was they took the, the Kronos, who, you know, the Greeks knew as one thing, and then they added things to fit their time. Because obviously, you know, the Roman pantheon, is not as old as the Greek pantheon, so they updated it, as it were. But basically, this is the god of time. And like I said, it takes forever for this to cross the night sky. So the name makes sense when you think of it from that angle. Yeah, and all the moons are named after the other titans. Not all the moons. Oh, all all the moons they knew about. (laughs) Yes, because I think there's almost 100 moons now. Yep. Yeah, 82. 82, yeah, 82. Only 53 of which have names, and then yeah. a couple of hundred more moonlets. Well, they actually discovered 20 new legitimate moons just in 2019. So if we would have did this episode when we initially were supposed to, yeah. that number would be 20 less. Yeah, I think if you go back to our Jupiter episode, we have the wrong number, because they've discovered more moons around Jupiter as well. Oh, my God, this is like computers. We just go out of data studios and we put it out. But these are pretty small moons. They are. They're tiny moons. Tiny, tiny, tiny. But some of the moons are actually very interesting. Uh, But let's not fully go into the moons as of yet, because we're going to touch on them today, but that's going to be its own episode, obviously. So the general stuff. Saturn, sixth planet from the sun. Um, It's the second largest after Jupiter. Like I said, it's the last of the gas giants. We're going to get into the ice giants shortly. And... Those might make more sense to people on a physiological standpoint, because the idea of gas being a planet, I know it took me till I was, whoo, probably 18 years old to just grasp that. Yes, it's uh, interesting to, if you're a gas giant, where does the atmosphere begin and where does the planet end? Yeah, shouldn't I just be able to shoot through it like a cloud? Well, no. Not if that's not how it works. Yeah, that's not how it works, but, it, you know, I know if you're younger, you're going to sit there and think those type of thoughts. That's how I thought about it until I got much older and really was able to grasp the idea of pressures and what pressures do to different substances. Essentially, that's how this uh, planet stays together. It's how Jupiter stays together. It's how all of our gas giants stay together. It's how the sun stays together. Very true. Okay, so most of the atmosphere is uh, hydrogen and helium. A lot of metallic hydrogen, a lot of liquid hydrogen, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> uh, it is also the flattest of all of the planets. It's crazy how flat it is. Yeah, it's like 90% of the poles width, or the width of the equator equals 90% of the width at the poles. Which also gives you like 26% less gravity uh, on the poles. Or uh, no. Um, on the equator. So the gravity on the equator is less because you're farther from the planet. So on, on the poles you have more gravity, which is quite a noticeable difference. So uh, if you weigh 200 pounds, 250 go to the 
pole. Hmm. Which is kind of crazy to think about. Imagine if Earth has had such differences. Yeah, it'd be really weird. Man, the complexes we would be given those California girls. <laughs> I can just see it now. Oh, my God, I can't go there because I will waste so much more. Yeah, that doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. It's all about mass. Um, so it's very oval-shaped, which is weird. Like I said, mostly made of hydrogen, very flat. And because it's flat, the axis uh, – spins extremely fast. That's how it becomes so flat. Uh, their days are like 10 hours long. That's crazy. That's yeah, for such a big planet, it, it, it is kind of nuts to think, wow, the thing is spinning that much quicker than us. And uh, I think wind speeds can reach 1,800 kilometers per hour. Well, that's, that's quick. That is higher than on Jupiter, but uh, things are much worse on Neptune. They are, but man, that is quick. Yeah. So the planet right. is pretty hostile. <laughs> you don't want to be on the planet. Oh yeah, with liquid metal hydrogen in it, I don't think you want to be in, in the in the planet. That that sounds horrible. Yeah, dude, the radiation is much uh, lower than as well as the much weaker. As you would come to expect from just a size comparison and a mass comparison. Uh, I mean, this thing. I hate to take back a few seconds, but when you think about the size of Saturn compared to the Earth and how fast it. It's day is, you know, ten, ten and a half hours or something like that. I think it's ten hours, 34 minutes, actually, to be exact. Saturn's huge compared to the Earth. Enormous. But it's We're only talking. about 95 times as heavy, but the volume is crazy. Yeah, volume-wise, I mean, the Earth is this tiny little dot compared to a basketball. Yep. <laughs> I mean, it'd be literally like setting a golf ball next to a basketball on just pure volume. That's what you're looking at. So, and that doesn't even include the rings. No, if you include the rings, you'll get to. Yeah, it's it's really big with the rings. The rings is what this planet is famous for. Um, outwards from Saturn, we have D, C, B, A, F, G, and E. Yeah. Uh, that's just kind of how they found them. Some of them are thicker than the others, so they got uh, ordered wrong. What? Well, so... Normally, you would think of it as, you know, that's well, that's ring A, that's ring B, that's ring C, that's ring D, you know, and it should go in that order. But the way they discovered them is how they named the rings. So the fourth ring in is actually A because it's the first one they saw. Oh, no. That's, that's pretty bad. At one time, they thought it was one ring. <laughs> I mean, it looks it, like one ring, doesn't it? From, with the naked eye, absolutely. We have to talk about the famous bathtub. If you could, if you could find a bathtub big enough, and you put Saturn in it, Saturn would flo- uh, float. Its density is much less than uh, water. Oh my God! But of course, this uh, this bathtub would be an interesting astronomical object. Yeah, it'd be. <laughs> I don't know where you would get the raw materials to come up with a bathtub that big, or all the water. Yeah, just raw materials in general: the bathtub, the water, everything. And where would you get the cork? And the payoff is pretty bad, but okay, now Saturn is floating in the bathtub. Victory! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'd be a weird thing to see in the night sky, wouldn't it? Can we talk about the core? We can talk about anything you want to talk about, Dan. There is this massive core, a bit like the Earth, but of course under extreme pressures it's much more dense. And of course they have been trying to find out how big the core is. The estimation right now is that it is 9 to 22 times the mass of the Earth. 
and a, a diameter of about 2,000, oh, 25,000 kilometers. And that's, uh, and after you leave the core, you can, so this, this is a pretty big core. Yeah, for a gas giant especially, it's yeah. huge. And it's 11,700 degrees Celsius hot. Ah, just grab your sunscreen, you all right. So it's, it's radiating more energy, two and, a half, two and a half times more energy than Saturn actually gets from the sun. Which is why the, the moons of Saturn have some very interesting things going on with them. Hmm. There's pressures that's created from Saturn's just enormous core that, you know, there's some, some of these moons, they think that there might be life on them. Interesting. Uh, we have to talk about that in another episode, but... We will. The Titan is such a special place, and then we have Enceladus as well. Enceladus? Wow, we call it Enceladus over here. Uh, Enceladus. Uh, I mean, what you said sounds better. At least it sounds like a salad to me. I don't know why. It's the English vocal shift from the 15th century that makes our name, our pronunciations different. I I know, Dan. I know. (laughs) I'll have to get. I'll have to readjust to. We are uh, talking English here, so I should say Enceladus. Yes. Yeah. Good. Um, it appears to have an ocean actually below its uh, surface, so wow. and they believe that there that there could be life inside of this ocean. We'll dive more into that when we actually do the episode on the moons themselves. We're going to do a single episode. Correct me if I'm wrong, Dan, on specifically the four big ones, and then the rest of them we can kind of talk about here because there's nothing really overly interesting about them, but like Titan, Rhea, and Celadus, we're definitely going to do one episode that covers all three of those. Sounds good to me. Okay. Sounds great. I have to get Um, back to the core here because I really know why it radiates so much energy because we don't have the mechanism that we have on Jupiter, and Jupiter's core generates in another way. So the exact mechanism of the, the core is not known. And one, one theory is that we have rainfall of diamonds. Oh, my. <laughs> they are hard to get to. Imagine Rain. what that would do with the diamond market in Amsterdam. I can imagine what it would do for my bank account. Of course, if you want diamonds, you just go get a white war. Yeah. <laughs> It'd probably be rather dangerous to catch the rain of diamonds, too. Um, yeah, because, let's see, if you were to drop something, but we'll say just a small metallic object about 20 feet, Such as you could room. pierce. No, I'm just thinking, you know, just on Earth, if I were to drop, say, a screwdriver 20 feet, that screwdriver could pierce your skin. And we know diamonds is harder than metal. Mm. I don't think you would survive rain of diamonds. <laughs> I can see other problems with standing on the Saturn core trying to catch diamonds. Such as? The heat. Wow, the I mean, well, obviously, we're going to get that figured out before we go catching diamonds. But if you fund us enough on Patreon, we'll, we'll uh, make a go-, have a go at it. We'll go to Saturn at this diamond. It's about yeah. at the 300,000 billion level. Yeah, if you get there, you know what? Screw it. I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't see what it could hurt. I mean, if we've reached that point. So, we've had four spacecrafts that have visited Saturn over the years. These are Pioneer 11, Voyager 1 and 2, Cassini. Uh, They all studied the planet. Cassini actually orbited it for, like, 13 years, and it's where we get most of our data on the great planet of Saturn. Uh, Yeah, the the Netflix documentary about uh, the death of Cassini was pretty amazing. When we decided to destroy And how did we do that? I think it's interesting that you can't just let that hang. Uh, because there could be microorganisms from the Earth that could be dangerous for the 
possible life on Titan or Enceladus, <laughs> then uh, we decided to totally destroy Cassini to preserve the life on the moons. So we just uh, took a death dive into Saturn itself, tried to recover as much data as we could before Cassini was destroyed by the... And I don't even think it made it to the Reign of Diamonds region. I don't think so either. <laughs> Getting through that liquid metallic hydrogen is pretty tough. <laughs> it did not make it there. It's a shame, but you can, uh, the, the, with a decent set of binoculars, you can actually get a decent look at this planet. With a small telescope, you can really see the rings. Um, it is a beautiful planet. I don't, have you ever gotten a chance to stare at this through a telescope, Dan? No, I haven't. I haven't stared at anything in a telescope. Oh, I, my. Just go get a backyard telescope. They're not that expensive. I should. I actually have one of the a big uh, observatory, two blocks from my flat, but it has been closed for a couple of I should go there and get some yeah, all at the time. Just be a squatter. Just go in there and just kind of claim it. Yes. <laughs> I'm claiming this for my podcast. <laughs> Somebody has to. Yes. I think. But there, and there, why not you, sir? Have you seen the, the hi, how do you pronounce that, Huygens? Cassini Huygens, the, the space probe? Have I seen the probe itself? Though? Have you seen the video from it when it, uh, when it dives down into Titan's atmosphere? I did see the death dive, yes. Yeah, it's amazing. We'll talk more about that in the Titan episode. Absolutely. So, with moving to the next little uh, thing, I guess, we'll quickly touch on the rings. Uh, Dan, you want to do its own episode on the rings as well, right? Yes, the rings of Saturn. That's uh, such a unique object. And compared to the weak and puny rings of the other uh, big planets, these are the outstanding rings of Saturn, and they deserve uh, their own. They absolutely do. I think there's some things that we do need to touch on. Um, you can't really see them without some sort of aid. So you need binoculars, telescopes, something like that. And because of this, the rings weren't discovered until Galileo actually did it in 1610. Yep. I mean, if someone's going to do it, he's fairly famous for that type of stuff. <laughs> this may be one of the reasons Galileo, I, I mean, it is one of the reasons Galileo is considered one of the great greats of astronomy is because he was the first one to point a telescope at something. It's amazing how many historic people have <laughs> become famous because they were just the first ones to just point a piece of glass have something in the sky and see something that somebody else has never seen before. It still happens to this day. You have people out there who, they just find asteroids. All they do, and they're famous for it. Imagine the feeling to look at Saturn and discover that you're the first one to see them. I could not imagine that. And then, then you have to try to convince other people, hey, there are like weird rings around the planet. Of course there are. Um, not all the rings go in the same direction. There is famously the Phoebe retrograde, which has a different motion than, this, than Saturn's actual orbit. Um, so on an axial tilt of 27 degrees. So the angle is more visible than the others because of the fact that it's not perfectly flat with the others. Yeah. And the rings, just in general, they're mostly ice. They're so thin, like 20 meters. Very thin. <laughs> and it's just like this thin disk of ice that from the right angle you can catch it, from the wrong angle. If you looked at it from the perfect angle, they would just all disappear. That's crazy. Except for the Phoebe ring because it's got a strange tilt to it. All right, so 
moons, uh, like we had already said, there are between the moons and the moonlets, there's like 150 different moonlets and moons. We're not going to die. It really gives you uh, what is the moon if it is in the ring. The ring moonlets are like you have to have to arbitrarily set the size for a moon or just a piece of rubble in the rings. Yeah, that piece of ice happens to be bigger than that other piece of ice, and we're going to call it a moon. I mean, at what point is it a moon? At what point is it just a chunk of ice in the ring? So I guess what they have to do is they have to look at it and say, look, is it bigger than the width of the ring itself? And at that point, you can go, oh, okay, that makes sense. That little hump sticks up in the middle of that ring, so I guess that's a moonlit. I can buy that definition. And most of the moonlets are. They're just jammed inside of the rings themselves. So you'll have that. (laughs) Yeah. Is there anything else on Saturn that you would like to touch on? Oh, it's, I want to talk about the moons, but I'll uh, I'll try to contain myself until the moon episode. Yeah, strangely, a lot of the overly interesting things, short of just staring at the planet itself, actually is in the moons and in the rings. Um, the planet itself is unremarkable. Yeah. It, like we said, it's just a big hunk of gas. There's some neat things going on under pressures underneath the uh, surface layer, but we can't really see all that, so it's all guesswork anyway so <laughs> we have to talk about the hexagon oh yes which was discovered fairly late the north pole so you have to approach that and the direction of the earth uh, so i guess we saw it with cassini we did and uh, so there's a hexagon it's a gigantic hexagon on the north pole of saturn which is like this should not happen to gas giants it's um a, one side of the hexagon is 13,800 kilometers, 8,600 miles. To, uh, that's longer than the diameter of the Earth. Um, it is. And a hexagon rotates an hour, six hours. Do you recognize I do. It sounds a lot like what the equator spins. So this is like a stand geometric that It doesn't happen to look like a geometric figure. It looks exactly. And I mean, it doesn't falter. It doesn't waver. It is a perfect hexagon. You could not get out a protractor and make a more perfect hexagon than what is just sitting on top of Saturn. And in natural settings, you're not used to seeing such perfect lines. Normally, when people see weird, perfect lines, they think, oh, that's man-made. <laughs> but obviously, it's not man-made on top of Saturn. It's a combination of it being so flat helps create this. Um, was there the question of it being a storm at one time? I think so. I, I don't. I don't think we really know how it is created. We, yeah, I think we don't fully understand it. I think there was some conjecture that it was a almost like a huge hurricane that has just been there forever, and for some reason it's in a very strange shape. We're used to hurricanes being like perfect circles, you know, your typical typhoon, and this one is not a perfect circle. It is a hexagon. Uh, I would recommend that you pull up a picture of that if you ever get a chance to. It doesn't look natural. No, no, it does not look natural at all. It reminds me, strangely, of the giant steps in Northern Ireland. Oh. I don't know if you've ever heard of those. It's these hexagonal, almost perfectly hexagonal uh, sheets of rock, one piece after another. They're all like perfect hexagons, and they believe that it was... They called it the giant steps. They thought that giants would walk from one island to the next via this. It's a very strange thing. But that's a different 
Different show completely. Yeah. <laughs> like, different subject, different everything. Uh, these are the remarkable things of Saturn, though. And, again, really, Saturn's great lie is in its beauty of seeing it through a telescope. And, Dan, I cannot say enough that you really, really, really need to get out, get a telescope and look at this thing. If we happen to have a Swedish listener, that have uh, There is another uh, mystery on Saturn. There are no Trojans. The uh, stable Lagrangian don't have any rocks. It's not at all like Jupiter. And even uh, the seventh planet and Neptune have Trojans. But Saturn does. And if you find something missing in, in that region of the solar system, I tend to blame Jupiter. Somehow Jupiter, which is in resonance with Saturn, has uh, stolen the, uh, the Trojans. That's my personal theory. There is no basis in science. Okay. I mean... Usually, you're right when something happens out in that region of space. Jupiter usually did something to make it happen, but it is a very volatile area. When you get on to the other side of Jupiter, it's just, in general, is far more volatile than what we have here. So, there's always the possibility of collisions. They might have had something at one point, you know, a rock from the... Or cloud could have came in and bang, smacked it, and removed it from the Lagrange points. Um... You never really know. Uh, it is curious that an object of that size doesn't have anything stuck at its Lagrange points, but, hey, that just means that we have the perfect space to eventually set some sort of space colony. Yeah, we have to have our base uh, for the uh, Diamond Expedition in the Lagrange yep, Right there. Right there. We just put it right there. So that, that you know, sorry, patrons, they just went up. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's great. So, next time that we sit down and speak, though, we are going to speak about the moons of Saturn and probably the rings as well. I think we can do both of them in one show. Maybe we can. Uh, maybe Titan. we can. Maybe we can. Titan and Enceladus are big deals, and there's a lot of information about them. Yes, Titan. It's a, such a weird place. And we may have to do just the moons. Just Titan. <laughs> we'll, we'll, Titan. we'll come up with something. Yeah, we'll figure it out. Um, have you been paying attention to the uh, news about anything that has to do with interstellar travel recently? Let me know. Okay. Um, so, in the United States, um, SpaceX yeah. did something extremely historic. The United States has been borrowing rides from other countries for some 15 years now. Yeah. And SpaceX, headed by Elon Musk, you know, probably the smartest man in the world at this moment, he came up with his uh, Dragon spacecraft, and NASA astronauts actually went up into space without borrowing a ride from another country again. And this happened a couple Saturdays ago at exactly 3.22 p.m. Eastern time uh, in the U.S., so that would be like, for you, that'd be like 9.22 at night, Dan. <laughs> yes, I saw it on the news. Um, this is significant because, one, it's, the, it's really the first time a private company launched people into orbit. Private companies have launched into orbit, but not with a manned crew. That's amazing. Can we please go to Mars now? I think he's looking for people. I mean... I, I don't want to. I don't want to be one of the first. I do. <laughs> I have no desire to be one of the first. You know, it, it's it's like 
buying that new piece of tech, you want somebody to work out the bugs first. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, hey, somebody has to be the, the, the poor monkey that gets on the, the thing and probably dies. So, Dan, if that's really what you want to do, I'm not going to stop your dream. I am going. It's it's a good way to be safe from COVID-19. There probably is no COVID-19 out there. <laughs> and then you have to worry about yeah, being on another planet. Yeah, so the Dragon launched from the Kennedy Space Center Room 4. Wow. And the significant thing about the Dragon spacecraft is it really should cut the cost of going into space dramatically because it knows how to land itself. Wow. So what happens is, you sat and you watch the old uh, pictures of a rocket taking off. It would take off, it would get so far up, and it would dump one of its parts. And that part would fall to the ocean and just sink to the bottom of the ocean. So what they have been able to do at SpaceX is actually, when that piece falls off now, it actually has thrusters, so it can re-land itself on a dock. Nice. And it does this completely autonomously. We don't need a crew on it, nothing like that. So then they can reuse that part again, which is something they've never been able to do, and it's one of the prohibitive costs of going in outer spaces. Yeah, once you use it, that's it. It's, it. it's done. So you'll spend $10 million building a rocket, and you can't reuse any of it. Are they going to launch again and anytime soon? Uh, the plan is to continue launches. Um, I believe right now they're just taking people to the space station and coming back. And uh, I believe the United States has a six-month period that they usually uh, move their people. So I would suspect that they would have another launch within the next six months. Nice. Um, it's capable of staying in orbit itself, though, for 210 days Okay. before it goes and relands itself. Uh, the one part, and this was a... Amazing success was the Falcon 9 rocket return to shore after the launch. Hmm. I've seen videos of this um, when they were doing the tests. To actually see it work on a huge fire the way that it did, it just it let you know that, wow, there's people out there who are figuring out every little thing. And um, Demo 2, it lifted off. It's Falcon 9 rocket. Uh, on the 30th, of course, from the space station, as I had said, and the Dragon capsule kept going, but the Falcon 9 first stage, pinpoint landing on some drone ship that's, I, I can't make this up. Elon Musk has a sense of humor. It's called, of course I still love you. <laughs> and that touched down perfectly. There's actually a bullseye that they set on top of this thing. Perfectly centered in the middle of that bullseye on June 2nd of this year. My God. Wow. And then it headed back towards Florida's Fort Canaveral. It, it, I mean, once we can start reusing parts of our ships, the idea of actually going to space more often, it, it becomes so much easier. You know, imagine how expensive it would be to take a flight if every time you got into an airplane, they had to scrap the airplane. <laughs> or... Every Instead of filling up your gas tank in your car, once it was out of gas, you, you just throw it away. Yep. I mean, that's essentially the way they've been working. And now with this small, simple piece of tech, obviously not too simple, but simple in layman's terms, they're 
making things so reusable. We're going to reach that anime phase where rockets are taking off every day in the outer space, and this is really the first step to that. If we do want to see interstellar travel, we have to find the easiest way to get off of this planet, and this is step one, and it's, it's beyond important to anybody who wants to see that ever happen. I love it. This should open up so many possibilities for the future. Oh, my, I hope so. So this is called Fan of Astronomy. What we've always done is we've, you know, talked a little bit about news, so on and so forth. Which, by the way, John Glenn's wife passed recently. Um, one of the last episodes we did, John Glenn had just passed. So uh, it's just something I thought I'd bring up. But one of the things we didn't do enough, I felt, was actually talk about astronomy things. <laughs> we were just kind of talking about what was up there. So I think it's good to go over the upcoming calendar of uh, – Things that you can see in space, um, like real soon here. Uh, see, uh, I got to figure out which day we're actually going to. <laughs> this is actually going to be posted, but on Wednesday the seventeenth, right before dawn, there's going to be a crescent moon in the sky. And if you look just to the north of that moon, Uranus will be sitting right there. And it's the same in Sweden and in. Pittsburgh, because uh, we are both on the northern hemisphere. Yes. Yeah, I mean, we were talking, it may be a degree slightly different, but if you just look up from it, you can't miss it. <laughs> it's yeah. going to be there. Um, there will be a double shadow transit over Jupiter on June 18th. This is going to be at 1833 GMT to 1913 GMT. Mm -hmm. And this is going to be the shadow of Ganymede and Europa. Okay. So if you get out your telescope and you got it spotted directly on Jupiter, you're going to see two little shadows cross in front of the uh, planet of Jupiter, and it's going to be the shadows of the moons. Right. The crescent moon will meet Venus um, just slightly to the north. I guess that would be east uh, on June 19th. Uh, obviously, we have the solstice coming up, which happens every year no matter what. That's, you know. <laughs> but the big one. June 21st, on our new moon, we are going to have an annular solar eclipse. What's that? That is when the moon travels directly between the Earth and the sun. So it's a full solar eclipse? Full annular solar eclipse. This is going to be best seen in Africa and southern Asia. Oh, travel is hard right now. <laughs> it, it is hard, but we're all going to see something. Um, but to have an actual annular solar eclipse... It, it, the United States had one a couple years ago, and you can see the picture of the president staring at it. I don't know why he did that. <laughs> but people do like to point to that. And, you know, I was a little bit to the north of perfect, but it, it, it's really weird when things get dark in the middle of the day. Yes. The next full solar eclipse here is uh, in 2,103 or something. Oh, you the last one were in the 50s. <laughs> Oh, my. Um, I went to uh, Finland for a full uh, solar eclipse, uh, but uh, it was um, bad weather, so you couldn't see it. You know, that happens a lot. Um, last month, there was a comet and some other things going on, and I didn't really have too many times I could look at the things because it's the weather. It, it, it's unreal sometimes how bad a couple clouds just ruins everything. So if you want to see something really different... Um, on the 23rd of June, Neptune is going to just reverse direction. What? 
Okay, so to our eye, it'll appear as if Neptune has turned around and gone the other way. This is part of its retrograde loop. Um, against the background stars, it's going to look like it's going the wrong direction. It's not really, but it's kind of how we see it. <laughs> so but basically, it, basically, Neptune is drunk. Yeah, it's 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 drunk. Um, it's going to start moving in a. If you're looking at the night sky right now, it's kind of heading away from Mars, but as of this day, it's going to actually turn and start heading towards Mars. So, yeah, it's drunk. Okay. I mean, somebody has to do the drinking. And really, that's the big stuff for the next month or so. Um, Let us know if you uh, watch any of these events. Oh, please do. And please, where will you let us know? On uh, the Final Astronomy Facebook page. Still alive and kicking. It is. That That is one thing that I still posted on. I, I didn't do it as often as I like to, obviously, but I did still post once in a while onto that, and you kept it going as best as you could. But we do have a Facebook page, Fan of Astronomy, Facebook.com backslash Fan of Astronomy, correct? I think so. Just search for Fan of Astronomy on Facebook. Yeah, it seems right. Um, let me see here. I just want to check a couple things in the beginning of July, just in case. Oh, penumbral lunar eclipse, July 4th and 5th, depending on your location. Um, a penumbral lunar eclipse is kind of the other way around. So before I said it was a um, not a lunar eclipse, but a solar eclipse. So a solar eclipse, the moon completely blocks out the sun. Okay? A uh, uh, lunar eclipse, the we get in the way of the moon. So the shadow of the earth hides the moon. Yes. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's early enough in the month that I don't know if we'll have our next episode out, so I thought that was something that we probably should bring up real quick. Um, yep. uh, Manhattan Hinge is going to happen also in New York. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Have you ever heard of that? No. Okay, so, so one day a year, um, because all the roads run in a certain direction in New York, there's one day a year where you can stand in New York and the sun comes up perfectly in the center of the roads. <laughs> Okay, cool. And that's going to happen in July. It happens every July. Um, so if – I know this was a rocky first episode back. It's been a while. I'm sorry if it was not as pristine as it had been in the past, but we're, we're, we'll get all the hiccups worked out as quickly as The important as thing is that we are back. Yes. Uh, we have to start somewhere. We're back. Then not better than ever, but we'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we will. Uh, Dan, if people wanted to uh, reach out to you, how would they do it? Well, uh, the Fun Host on my Facebook page is a good place, but uh, I'm also on Instagram and Twitter. I'm the only person in the world with my name. So Dan Horning and two umlaut dots over the O. You will find only me. And not that, that other Dan Horning musician guy, he doesn't have the umlaut dot. <laughs> where you got to have the umlauts. That's important. Yeah, where would people find you? Uh, if you want to find me, you can find me at uh, Gonksuo on Twitter. It's G-A-N-K-S-U-O-U. I don't do a lot of astronomy type things. Uh, I am a person of many different things, so you're going to find gaming stuff on there. I, I like to talk about gaming. Um, I try to stay away from political stuff because that's just horrendous. <laughs> but you can't live life without getting political at all, so that occasionally happens. Um but I'm doing a bunch of different things right now. So right now, the best place to find me would be on Twitter at Gonksuo. That's G-A-N-K-S-U-O-U. 
uh, outside of that, you can find me on the Fan of Astronomy Facebook page. I will be there just like Dan is and everybody else is, and we'll try to keep you all up to date on the newest things possibly happening in the world of astronomy. Well, Dan, I think that is a good first trip back. Maybe short, but eh. I, uh, I love the fact that we are back. It's great. It is. It was strange because for years I had done podcast after podcast after podcast, and I actually got a bit nervous before doing this one, and just because it's been so long. I've actually had people uh, talk to me and ask me, when will Final Astronomy be back? I'm glad to hear that somebody's asking about that. It will be um, good to put a picture of Saturn on my Instagram because my... I run six murder podcasts, six true crime podcasts, so my Instagram is mostly about murder, and it will be good to put a planet there. Yes, it will be. So, folks, until the next time that we return, thank you for listening, and remember that we all love you. Keep looking up. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.